Hello, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today because I believe God's Word is a powerful weapon designed by the Father to set the captives free. I trust the Holy Spirit will anoint this message and it will personally minister to you and set you free. God bless and enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Everybody doing okay with the wrapping up the fast? Yeah, I feel like you're... All right, praise God. Prayer and fasting is such an important part of the body of Christ. And I fear that for the most part throughout the body of Christ, particularly in the United States, we've forgotten that discipline of, of fasting. How important it is to draw us close to the Lord. Uh, and remember, it's not just fasting, it's prayer and fasting. It's not a weight loss program. This is, uh, this is about drawing closer to the Lord. Um, but it's prayer and fasting. And, and when we give up something, sometimes it's just one thing for many of you. Some of you have been fasting food for certain periods of time. Um, Regardless of what it is, if you are doing that as a sacrifice to God, I will guarantee it will draw you closer to the Lord. It always does. So I'm really thankful for the, the fact that we had this time together. It's a corporate prayer and fast. And we're wrapping it up. And today I'm going to pick up my message from last week. We were, we were talking about rebuilding the temple and of course we're going to be reading in Haggai chapter 2 so if you want to turn there it'll be a little while before I actually get to that part of it that we're going to be reading out of the the uh, Bible scripture but we I'll be looking at some scriptures we go through the events that we're about to read about took place over a period of five years but the process of the rebuilding up to this point, had taken 18 years. Um, so they had started the building of the temple. Remember, they were in uh, bondage in, in Babylon, and Cyrus allowed them to go back and rebuild the temple. Uh, so Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest set out in 538 B.C. to do just that, to rebuild the temple. It took 23 years for them to actually accomplish that task. There was some things that set them back. The, there were people that came against them. The king actually uh, made an edict for them to stop. So there was difficulties. But eventually, with God's help and with the prophets spurring them on, speaking to them, encouraging them, that's why prophetic ministry is so important. Prophetic ministry is meant to be an encouragement to the body of Christ. Yes, it, it does correct at times. Um, but correction is also encouragement if we take it right, the right way. God, God's not trying to be harsh to His children. He just recognizes that discipline is a part of His love toward His children. Each and every one of us who love our children, we will discipline them properly. In fact, the Bible tells us that if we do not discipline our children, we are actually proving that we do not really love them. Tell our society that. Because we've allowed our children to be out of control 
Because we want to show them our unconditional love. That's not love. That's ooey-gooey stuff. Love says, when you do wrong, there's consequences. And you teach, teach your children to do the right thing through proper consequence. And I'm not, I'm not saying that always means that you, you spank their bottom, although I believe wholeheartedly that that's an important part of it, especially early on when they're, they're younger. Uh, they, sometimes that's the only thing they understand. But of course, as, as time goes on, uh, right now, oh, Marshall and Owen are teenagers. Um, and Owen, or Marshall spends a lot of time at, at our house. Marshall and Owen spent the weekend with us, along with uh, one evening, um, Emberly and uh, JoJo stayed with us as well. So when it comes to discipline, we discipline those two groups, the, the five, four and five-year-old, Different than we discipline Owen and Marshall, who is, uh, what, 12 and 15, 14? I don't, I, I'm not very good with that stuff. I don't keep track of it. <laughs> They're teenagers. So our discipline is different. The best discipline we can do for Marshall and Owen is take away some kind of device or game or something like that. that or... Um, and often I try to get them outside to, to, uh, to do something uh, outside with me, you know, working around the, the homestead there a little bit. And, you know, it's amazing. When I was a kid, we couldn't wait to get outside. All they want to do is sit in front of those devices and play games or do something on whatever they do, you know. So uh, it takes effort these days to be a parent Big time. And I recognize that. And I, you know, just want to say thank you, all of you who are parents and grandparents, and you're doing your best to train up your children in the way they should go so they will not depart from it. So anyhow, they went into captivity for 70 years. They came out of that captivity ready to rebuild the temple after the temple was completely destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. Cyrus allowed them to go back, and after 70 years of exile, they went back. And the prophet Jeremiah had proclaimed that that was going to happen uh, several year, years before that took place. Uh, a new king came and took power, and he stopped the, the rebuilding. But we pick up the story that we're talking about in 20 B.C. under the reign of Darius I. Uh, Judah was in the process of rebuilding the temple. They had uh, laid the foundation and prepared everything, and then opposition came, and they stopped. Uh, and um, the spiritual, the message, underlying message for us is, of course, they're talking about a physical temple, but they also later on had a religious rebuilding as well, a, a supernatural uh, spiritual rebuilding that took place under Ezra. But the, the purpose of this message for us is that we recognize that from time to time there's some uh, rebuilding that has to take place in our spiritual life. Sometimes it's just maintenance. Maybe we, and, uh, we need to keep up with the maintenance of our spiritual life. And sometimes we let that, that maintenance wane and, and some of the foundation gets uh, uh, 
ripped away, and we have to go back and, and rebuild, relay some foundations. Listen, there's no shame in recognizing that, hey, I've gotten off track, and I need to get back on. No shame in that. Absolutely. The shame is if you don't recognize it, that you just let your spiritual life cruise along, and eventually you get to the point where God's not even an important part of your life any longer. You get so caught up in the things of this world. So how do we keep from this happening in our life? First of all, I think we have to guard against becoming distracted and losing interest in the important things of God. Uh, a Lutheran bishop uh, tells of visiting a parish church in California and finding when he walked in, he, on the wall was this great uh, banner, red and orange banner on the wall with fire underneath of it. And the, the banner read, Come Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It declared revival. But underneath of it, he also noticed right under it was a little sign that said, Fire Extinguisher. And he thought to himself, I wonder which one is true. Well, after meeting with the leaders of the parish, he walked away recognizing that their commitment was not to the fire, but putting out the fire. What a sad situation. But I got to tell you, I've witnessed it over and over and over in the church of Jesus Christ. We're more committed to keeping the fire from blazing, from uh, uh, flaming up than we are to stirring the fire. You see, when the, the fire is stirred, people get up front and start dancing. That makes some people uncomfortable. When the fire is stirred, people shout and glory, hallelujah. The power of God begins to fall and people move. People repent. There's crying and there, there's, um, there's emotional displays of affection toward God when the fire stirred. And that, like, that really makes religious people very uncomfortable. But the power of God's what we really want, isn't it? We say it is. I hope it is. And in order for that to happen, we must stay on uh, the, this temple, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We must stay actively uh, refurbishing and rebuilding and continuing to grow in the Lord. We are foundation stones, according to the Apostle Paul. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The first thing that I talked about last week is disinterest. It creeps in when the things of this world become too important to us. Things of this world can become so important. Our jobs can become more important to us. Our career, our, our uh, business, our children, our children's sports, our children's extracurricular activities. Now, I'm not trying to equate church attendance to spiritual, uh, to your to uh, gauge your spiritual aptitude, um, aptitude, because what I recognize is that 
Yes, when we have children, and yes, our life sometimes takes us in different directions, and we have to do certain things to uh, meet those needs in our family. But the reality is, if we love the Lord like we say we do, we're going to do what the Scripture tells us, and that is, do not forsake the gathering together. It's very important. There's been some surveys taken that actually say that uh, the most more recent generations believe that they're attending church regularly if they come to church once a month. That's regular attendance. Now, those of us who drew, grew up in a different generation, we recognize that uh, the, the faithful people are there every week unless something comes up. And there's no condemnation in in that. We we recognize life is life. But what is important? Is it important to gather together here? This is part of our uh, of of keeping the temple in line with what God wants. Our corporate worship together. So we have to recognize what really is important and, and set our priorities. What's important to us? Disinterest gets in. Here's what the prophet told the Jews who were sent to rebuild the temple and who had stopped for a period of about 15 years. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourself to dwell in your paneled houses in this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Hallelujah. The first time I've ever seen you use that font. It was already there. Okay. It just surprised me. Is it, is it time for us to live our lives and forget about the things of God? No. Amen. You're right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Vince. Hallelujah. <laughs> Good. No, it's not. That's right. It's time for us to get serious about our relationship with the Lord, always, to keep it foremost. But we have to do certain things. Many years ago, there was a, a seminar It was put on by a major evangelical denomination. It was about 17,000 people that attended. And because they came to a seminar about uh, prayer, it was supposed that they were probably some of the, uh, the most interested people in the body of Christ in prayer. And when they took the survey, this is what they came up with. That it revealed that most of those people at that conference, that seminar, were only praying about five minutes a day. And there was 2,000 pastors and their wives there. By their own admission, they prayed less than seven minutes a day. Is it any better today? I doubt it. Here's some more recent surveys done by Barna. 28% of of Americans currently read the Bible either daily 
or several times a week. 28% of believers. In 2022, a survey by Barna was conducted to find that the biblical worldview of pastors. Now, here's what they said the wor- biblical worldview should be. And I agree with it. As believing that absolute moral truth exists. Can anybody say amen to that one? All right, good. Because the world we live in does not believe that. This is a biblical worldview. The Bible is totally accurate on all its principles it teaches. Amen. And Satan is considered to be a real being or force, not merely symbolic. A person cannot earn their way into heaven by trying to be good or do good works. It's by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ lived as a sinless lived a sinless life on earth. And God is all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the world who still real, rules the universe today. Among senior pastors, only four out of ten have a biblical worldview that line up with all these things that I just mentioned. What is happening? Our seminaries are teaching heresy. Our pastors are, are learning to, um, to interpret the Bible by their own uh, thoughts and emotions and beliefs rather than based on what the Word of God really says. The Word of God says to you, to me this morning, consider your ways. And don't get distracted. Second thing we looked at was discouragement. And then Haggai said this to them. The Lord's message spoke to the Lord. Spoke, or Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. When you look at all the things that's happening in the world, and particularly here in the United States and our nation... It's pretty easy to become discouraged. Would everybody agree with that? If you just look at what's happening. If you watch the nightly news, and I, I, uh, could, I would encourage you not to do that on a regular basis. It's pretty discouraging to see everything that's happening. When you just hear the reports of what's taking place. When you uh, recognize how the enemy seems to be rising up and taking control of every facet of our nation. He's ruling the seven mountains of our culture. The church has relinquished its responsibility totally and completely. And it can become discouraging. But the message today is to us is the same message that it was to the the Hebrews who were rebuilding the temple. I am with you, says the Lord. And we can trust in that. The people of Haggai's day were discouraged because it seemed like nothing was going their way. How many have had days like that? Weeks, months, 
I hope not years. But we all have those times. But right now, as we look around from a Christian perspective, from the church perspective, nothing is going our way. Take heart, church. Don't get discouraged. I am with you, says the Lord. He also told Joshua when they were ready to go into to the promised land, it was a pretty discouraging time for the, the, people, uh, the children of Israel. There was a, uh, the, the Jordan River was overflowing its banks, and God said, I want you to go across it. That's like looking out at the, the society that we have that we're living in right now with all the raging water before you. And God said, I want you to cross that water. I want you to go through that Jordan. All they had to do was be obedient to the Lord. And the Lord said, have the, the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant into the water. And as soon as they did, the water parted. And they walked across on dry land. You know, if God was able to do it for the children of Israel, He's able to do it for the church of Jesus Christ today. What a God we serve. And he's told Joshua, I have commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's his promise to us. The third thing we must do is overcome dissatisfaction. We can become dissatisfied with a lot of things in our life. We can dis become dissatisfied with our, our, uh, our family, with our lifestyle. We can become dissatisfied with our job. We can become dissatisfied with our church, God forbid. But it happens all the time. We can become dissatisfied with the ministry that God has called us to. Don't allow dissatisfaction to get in the way. That's what happened to the people in Haggai's day. Listen to what he says to them. Haggai 2, 1 through 4, if you want to look at that. That's what I'm going to be reading. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltah, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is, it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work for I'm with you, says the Lord of hosts. Keep working. Work. That's our part. That's our responsibility. Everything else is God's responsibility. Our responsibility is to work. To keep working. Very few of the returning exiles actually saw the original temple built. But as they were building it, they recognized that this thing was nothing in comparison to, to Solomon's temple. It was going to be smaller. 
It was going to be less magnificent. It wasn't going to have the gold and the silver and all the things that Solomon's temple had. It wasn't going to be the magnificent edifice that Solomon's temple was. And as they continued to work, they began to get discouraged because it wasn't what they thought. Now, very few of them saw Solomon's temple. Some, there was still some people there that actually saw the temple of Solomon. They were children and very old at this time. Uh, they were children. Let me clarify that. They were children when the temple was destroyed, and they, but now they're, they're very old. But the majority of them had not seen it, but they all heard the stories about how magnificent the temple of Solomon was. How when people came over the mountains and they saw that temple gleaming in the sunlight, they, they were in awe of how beautiful Solomon's temple was. And all the things that took place in that temple and how God showed up in the temple. When they first built the temple, the priests couldn't stand in the presence of God because the glory of God was there. And the presence of God was there. And that happened from time to time. The priests who entered into the Holy of Holies, if they were not prepared properly and entered into that Holy of Holies on the right day, at the right time, they would die. And it happened at times. They actually developed a custom. They'd tie a rope around the, the leg of the priest. And while he is in there, as long as the bells on his garment was still ringing they knew he was still in there doing what he was supposed to do but if those bells stopped ringing for very long they had to pull him out because no one was going to go in there after him they couldn't risk death that's because the presence of God was in there when the presence of God shows up let me tell you something we cry out for the presence of God but when the presence of God truly shows up in this place there won't be a person standing it's awesome. It's also a fearful thing to be in the presence of God. But we really do desire that, don't we? We really want to see the glory of God in this place. We want to see the move of God. We want to see the power of God. And in order to do that, we have to work. We have to keep on working. It's easy to get discouraged and frustrated with the things that, that we're called to do on a daily basis. But in order to accomplish God's will, we have to just keep working. Keep laying those stones. Keep doing whatever it is that we, we're doing. Let me read uh, verse 3 in the NIV. It says it just a little different. It helps us to understand it. Does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? He was talking to them about if there was anybody there that saw it. And he's talking to the ones who had heard the stories. How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. You see, we've heard all the stories of revival in the past. The First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, the Herb Hebrides Revival, uh, the revivals that took place in, in other parts of the, the world. Um, 
all kinds of revivals that, that moved, particularly ones that took place uh, here in the United States, the uh, Cane Ridge revival that took place in Kentucky, not huge uh, distance from here, where the, the power of God was so great that Baptists and uh, Episcopal and uh, Methodists and all denominational pastors were, would stand up on stumps and each one was preaching uh, from the, the Word of God but preaching a different message and people would gather around and from time to time the power of God was so strong that the people would just fall down. Tell those who, do, who don't believe in being slain in the Spirit that one. They'll tell you, oh, that's just stories. The power of God is that great. We've heard those stories. And you know, sometimes as we, we're praying and we're still going through the motions and doing the things that we feel like we're supposed to do, we're wondering sometimes, where are you, God? Can you show up like that again? Absolutely. But it's our responsibility to do one thing, work, keep working. Yeah, we have to seek Him, and yes, we have to pray, and, but we have to keep working. We can't cause it to happen. All we can do is cry out to Him. You know, when we read the book of Acts, it's easy to forget that the book of Acts was written over about a 30-year time span. But when you read it, you read it, uh, you read all the stories of the miracles and the healings and all those things, and it seems like it just happened one right after another. But what we forget is that in between those miraculous things taking place, there was people just doing daily ministry. Just reading the Word, studying the Word together, teaching and, and training people, doing ministry work. And it is work. Sometimes we forget how important it is to visit the sick. That's work that we're all called to. And I'm thankful that we have a congregation that, that recognizes that. Feeding the hungry. That's the things that we're doing. Encouraging the depressed. We have ministry specifically for that. But it's a responsibility of each of us. Teaching those who are kind of wayward and need an encouraging word. Instructing our children. Praise God for those who step up and do that. and Work with our teens. Helping our neighbors. So many other just seems like mundane acts of love and service that are part of being the body of Christ. Don't get discouraged. What you're doing is important. Family, don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't, don't allow these things to happen. Don't become dissatisfied with what you're doing and just keep up the good work. Be strong, all you people, says the Lord, and work for I'm with you, says the Lord of hosts. You know, one of the things 
that we are doing as, as a church and we're a part of it uh, as our Upward Basketball program. We're thankful that, that Chris um, Carroll and uh, Tony Staley, who go to other churches, but they stepped up and said that they would like to do the Upward Basketball program this year. And, it, and it's exciting. But I want, you, I want every one of you to understand the opportunity here because uh, we're always looking for people who, who would coach. Uh, and as a coach, a basketball coach, you know, it's, it's not so important uh, to me that you know how to coach basketball as it is that you know the Bible and Scripture and you're able to teach and train the kids in those kind of things. We can find people who know basketball. We can couple you with somebody like that. But we need people every year that will step up because every practice, every week, there's a devotion for those children, and many of them are unchurched. I wish I'd have said something about this early on. I, I didn't even think about it. I'm sorry that I didn't. But there's next year. They get, a, they get a biblical um, teaching on a weekly basis. And then, here's something that we're having problems with, and I, I, I'm, it baffles me. Finding the people who will do a devotion every Saturday in between the games. At the, at the halftime Instead of the kids going to a locker room, they sit in the middle of the, the floor in the gym and gather around somebody that will teach them about Jesus. And guess what? Not only do the children hear the devotion, the parents, 200, maybe more people come through there every week. Week after week after week. What an opportunity to share. We're always talking about having opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of these people don't go to church. Many of these children need a godly influence. It's an opportunity. I just wanted to let you know that as a church, you're a part of that. And I'd like for you to be even a greater part. Here's another part of it. We do concessions. And believe it or not, and mo many of you have stepped up to do the help with the concessions, and we are so thankful for that. It's been awesome that you've done that. But concessions is a ministry. You know, people want to see your smiling face and, you know, your good attitude. And God bless you. You know, you know, one of the things, there's been surveys taken in fast food restaurants. And you know, one of the things that keep people coming back to Chick-fil-A, which is a Christian business, one of the things that keep people coming back, and I'm sure the food has to have something to do with it, but the one thing that people always talk about is the service and the attitude of the employees. I'm thinking lately, uh, when I've been in McDonald's, they need to go to Chick-fil-A and get some training. 
People, people see that kind of stuff. That's, that's how important our day-to-day work is. Your smiling face, your positive attitude, your testimony. That's how we overcome. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Hallelujah. The last thing I'm going to share with you is a desire. Haggai 2, 5 through 9. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, do not fear. Remember, when God makes a covenant with you, it doesn't change. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter how many times you failed and you've fallen down and you made mistakes. It doesn't change God. God made a covenant, and He's going to fulfill His covenant. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth the sea, and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and I shall come to the desire of all nations. I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Wow. If we want to see this temple filled with glory, we need to see this temple filled with glory. That's how it works. The glory of this latter temple, this is His promise shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. It all comes down to this, really. What is our desire? Do we desire more of God's glory in this temple? Are we crying out for that? Do we chase after Him for that? Proverbs 2.7 says this, A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. But to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. I know that is so true. If we're just satisfied, and maybe we are satisfied. Sometimes I'm just satisfied. You know, God, if I'm not careful, I'm just satisfied. I have a great group of people. We're paying our bills. We're, you know, we fellowship together. We have fun. Like we're going to have this fun time at, at Chester. We, we enjoy each other's company. I could get satisfied with that. But that's, that's dangerous. And I know it. I can't allow myself to become satisfied. When you become satisfied, the sweeter things of God are of no interest to you the glory of God are of no interest I love this scripture because but to a hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet I know that's true when I'm fasting if I'm fasting food for a period of time I could eat cottage cheese and I hate cottage cheese You know what I'm talking about if you fasted. Things that look, you know, I'll tell you something I love that most of you probably wouldn't touch. Pickled pig's feet. (laughs) I just had to tell you that because I know that probably turned some of your stomach. (laughs) 
pickled pig's feet and, and pickled tongue. It is delicious. You've got to try it. <laughs> but I really could eat cottage cheeses when I do a two or three day fast. It looks good to me. And that's what he's talking about. How hungry are we? What is our desire? You know, September 11, 2001, our nation was attacked by terrorists. And about over 3,000 people lost their lives in the World Trade Centers when they collapsed. Directly after the attacks, I don't know if it, you know, all of you remember, some of you may uh, not be old enough to remember that, but directly after the attacks, church attendance soared. Nearly every church, no matter what denomination, people started coming back to the church. Within 90 days, most people have over, had overcome their fear and their spiritual fervor had just faded away. Today, few people realize how serious that was. That was a warning from our God. And I don't think God did it. I don't mean that. But I do believe that God has removed the hedge of protection that had been upon this nation for a long period of time. And because that hedge of protection was removed, all kinds of evil things can happen. Right now, for most of us, it, most people, it's as if nothing ever happened. Some people don't even remember it. What's it going to take to bring people back? Even people who claim to be believers in Jesus Christ, to bring them back to fellowship with believers. I cry out for God's mercy. Because I want to tell you, I don't want to scare anybody, but I see some scary things coming for the future. Now, here's our responsibility. Stay close to the Lord. If you stay close to the Lord, He has promised He's going to take care of His own. He's with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. I think people use faith like a giant band-aid to cover their boo-boo when 9-11 happened. But you know, boo-boos heal. Take the band-aid off and you don't even notice that there was a boo-boo there. But it was a warning. We need to be aware that our God is not only a God of love, but He is also a fierce judge. And when sin overruns a society and overtakes a society, particularly one that used to worship Him in spirit and in truth, for the most part, He has no choice but to allow judgment to come. Discipline, that's what it is. It's discipline. 
Will we cry out to our God before that happens? I don't know. I hope so. I'm asking God to give us His mercy, pour His mercy out upon Him, pour His Spirit on the church, and allow the church to rise up in revival, and then cause a great awakening to take place in our society. Hallelujah. I think what we need is the resolve of C.T. Studd. Has anybody ever heard of C.C. Studd? C.T. Studd? C.T. Studd was the son of a wealthy Englishman, Edward Studd, uh, in England. Many, many years ago, during D.L. Moody's time, young Studd became an excellent cricket player, and cricket was a big deal during that time. He could have become a become a professional athlete. However, he was converted at one of D.L. Moody's uh, evangelistic outreaches. Shortly after, he and six other students de dedicated their life and their wealth to Hudson Taylor's ministry in Africa. He became a lifelong missionary. He died on the mission field. He said this, Some people want to live within the sound of church bells. But I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That's the kind of resolve it takes if we're going to see the power of God move. Stand with me. Haggai 2.7 says this, I, God is speaking, will fill this house with glory. This house. This house. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. I ask you that you, you just touch your people this morning. Stir our hearts, Lord God. Help us to chase after you, to desire you more than anything else. Fill this house with your glory. Fill our lives with your glory. Lord, touch each and every one this morning. Go with us, Lord, wherever we go and whatever we do. Help us to keep, help us to be aware that we are truly vessels of the Holy Spirit and that we have a responsibility to be an example and to carry your power wherever we go. That the message of the cross, that's where the power is, in the message of the cross. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for touching your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.